You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I am Vinolia. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to say a big thank you to every single one of you guys for joining me today. Um, Today we'll be discussing um, creating a sense of excellence around growing data teams. I am joined by a fantastic panel today and I'd like to kick off the podcast by asking you, you guys, who you are and what you do at your current company. Um, so I'll go first. I'm obviously Vinolia and I am part of um, the recruitment consultants here at Evolution. And I basically work around, you know, data engineering teams across the Sydney market. Um, Simon, do you want to go next? Oh, thanks, Vinolia, and really pleased and to have the opportunity to uh, to join you all today. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Simon Simon Aubrey. Uh, my day job is principal data engineer, and I work for ThoughtWorks, uh, and I'm based out of Sydney, Australia. Uh, in my professional life, I get the opportunity to uh, work across the globe, working with sort of highly available distributed data systems, and I've had the opportunity to work with finance system, transport, healthcare, insurance, telco clients. It's it's been great fun. Uh, so I think my my day job at ThoughtWorks is I typically work with data platforms, so building solutions to either consume, store, process, integrate data. Uh, or sort of data mesh or data governance style projects um, where it gives me the opportunity to work with uh, data delivery teams and we think about things like data as a product, applying software engineering practices for um, implementing some really cool um, and ambitious um, delivery projects. Um, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to be on this podcast today because as a consultant, I have the opportunity to work with many diverse teams and uh, really excited to join this conversation today to both uh, learn and find out a bit more about building excellence around growing data teams. And with that said, I'm super keen to find out a bit more about some of my fellow peers here. So I think I'm passing over to Brad. Thanks, Simon. Um, I'm Brad Anderson. I'm currently the head of data and information systems at Catholic Schools New South Wales. Um, my team look after everything related to the, the data engineering side, building out our data platform and um, supporting all the analysis work that we do across the uh, the Catholic education sector in New South Wales. Uh, we also look after the, the, the whole technology portfolio as well, so software development and other areas as well. Um, my sort of background, I've, I'm a general sort of technologist. I've worked across um, tech startups. I've worked in the gaming industry. Um, I've worked in in many different um, sorts of uh, tech projects, mostly building out sort of software as a service style platforms. Um, and my passion is really on uh, around technology transformation. And as as we all know, data is a really important part of that that journey. Um, getting the the data quality and um, capturing the right data at the right time to enable uh, businesses and and, and organisations to make better decisions. So um, that's a lot of what I do at Catholic schools uh, in my current role. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Uh, Ian? Awesome. Um, I echo Simon Brad's sentiments. It's really nice um, to catch up with fellow professionals and have this experience today. Uh, myself, Ian Hopkins, I head up the um, 
data analytics function at LexisNexis in the Pacific region, so both Australia and New Zealand. My day-to-day -day job, um, I suppose, has spawned a little bit from the 15 years of hands-on development into a more kind of strategic leadership role, um, really trying to uh, get business the business to adopt technical innovation to really uh, put data at the, the core of everything we do. Uh, so that would be from um, underpinned by managing our data warehouse, our technical solutions, but really trying to uh, press on the uh, proactive kind of machine learning, artificial intelligence uh, suite, um, both internally and externally for our customers. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for um, introducing yourselves. So we're just going to um, dive into it. Um, so our question for today or our topic for today will be um, creating a sense of excellence around growing data teams. And basically how that came about is, you know, um, you guys as data professionals, you, you know, experiencing different, um, encountering different challenges across you know the spaces that you work in and i just thought let's all sit down and discuss this you know try assist each other so with yourself simon uh, your question is what are the entry pathways into the industry internal growth versus lateral hires do you want to dive deep into that yeah yeah so um i think it goes without saying there's obviously a huge demand for talented folk to both join and contribute to uh, uh, data teams. And uh, there's going to be very few businesses that wouldn't benefit by using their, their data and their, their, their data teams more effectively. I think it's fair to say of, across both the, uh, the clients I get to work with, everyone wants to grow their, their data teams and make the most of those sort of huge advantages uh, in making the most about shaping their data technology. Um, but it's going to be no surprise when we talk about the challenges faced where essentially there's too much demand on our teams and, in short, not, not enough supply of skilled and available data folk to help solve those, those magical data problems. Uh, so I guess one of the areas that I'm super interested in is discussing maybe alternate entry pathways uh, to help grow and foster uh, data teams. I, I guess we're all familiar with the traditional recruitment process, the traditional write a job spec, put it out there and see candidates that fit that sort of selection process. Um, so I'm really interested to think through some of those sort of alternate approaches, either growing candidates from within, maybe they're coming from different parts of the business, or potentially looking at uh, lateral hires, sometimes from other, other careers. Um, they have a um, some personal experience about um, working alongside folks who've like transitioned from other careers such as industrial chemists or journalists um, and they're just terrific folk to to work with because they bring sort of that depth of experience from other industries and they've sort of taken on a bit of a personal journey to sort of grow and foster them, themselves into uh, data practitioners. So I'm really interested to hear from uh, everyone, Brad, Ian, um, what, what's your experience and thoughts around sort of those alternate pathways into the industry for uh, growing excellent data teams? I'm I'm happy to jump in here. Um, 
And I suppose I've had some experience with this in my pressure, uh, professional career. I think um, it's everyone is aware of the current recruitment drive and uh, yep. the, uh, <laughs> the real struggle to obtain those skills. I've started to look uh, more at universities, whether that be nurturing through experimentation. So it might be, you know, we undertake some kind of machine learning kind of uh, experiments, which leads into a graduate program or such. Um, but also looking at other verticals within the business. Um, I do see there's lots of analysts spread across various siloed teams, all of varying skills. And I'm of the opinion that you can teach tech if people have the desire, the attitude, uh, and, and and the will. Um, but it's really, really hard to get those kind of social interactions, those business stakeholder management skills. Um, so started to look to, to I suppose, hire within that kind of sector with, and the understanding that you're going to have to invest a lot of time to grow these people into what you want them to be, but setting expectations organization-wide um, and then working on a solid learning development plan with any new hire, I think can be really advantageous, um, I suppose, not only for the organization, but um, to the longevity of their career also. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you like usually go into universities and all of that. Um, when you mm. go into the universities, do you look at, for example, um, you know, students that are currently doing a qualification in software engineering or just people that may be interested in getting into, you know, the data field or how do you go about it? Yeah, so um, it is nurturing those relationships you know, or looking for those kind of data science kind of yeah. degrees but um, I also have close working relationships with um, some lecturers within the engineering field it might be slightly oh, nice. less field compared to you know the typical kind of data manipulation field uh, but they can come up with some kind of uh, really creative ideas that can obviously be transferable okay Brad do you want to jump in yeah, yeah. So I think really, you know, an easy kind of um, or low-hanging fruit is really around getting to know the people that already exist around your team and getting to understand um, how they might be using data or how they might be wanting to use data. A lot of people know data is important. Um, they know it exists, and then but they see it as a technical thing. They don't see it as something that's accessible to them. And I think uh, it's really important to have a really strong relationship with those that you work with and 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 be able to um, you know bridge that gap for them and help them to understand, okay, well, here's here's how you can maybe start to take that another step further. So you're already working with data in this capacity. You're already um, you know doing doing um, the work that that you know start you know asking the right questions and and following the thread. but um, if you start to focus on this type of skill, then you can maybe start to do some of that that work yourself and build that out. Um, you, you know, I've been surprised at how many people 
who don't work in a technical um, or data-focused role have a really strong aptitude for understanding the the, the basics. And um, with a little bit of encouragement, you can you can build that momentum for them and and um, help them uh, connect them with you know resources or with training courses or things like that that might be able to support them in in um, growing that um, that 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 skill set or that. That, that passion that they have um, in that space. Um, I think working with um, with universities is a really, really strong move um, and, yeah, and something that, that really does open up a lot of um, opportunities and being willing to take on, uh, you know, people who, who are looking for work experience and or, you know, interns, those kind of things. You've got to be careful, obviously, about uh, the way that you structure those programs and, and make sure that they're all um, you know, providing a really um, valuable service in both directions, but um, they're, they're, they're a really good way to identify early talent and, and get people engaged and support that, that sort of part of the journey as well. Um, but yeah, for, for, for my side, it's really been about, um, I mean, the, the, the strongest progress I've made has been understanding people that already exist in the context. They know what your organizational business does. They know what the use cases are, and that's the hard part to, to really teach and understand. The technical skills are actually fairly straightforward if they've got that willingness to, to keep at it and pursue it, as, as Simon was saying. So um, harnessing that, that knowledge um, in the non-technical and, and backing it up with those technical skills um, and providing that, that, that kind of, um, that point of connection of, okay, you're, you're at point A, you want to get to point, you know, Z, but if you do B and C now, then you can start to sort of work your way there. I think that's a really helpful way to, to start to develop that, that talent internally. Okay. And with, with yourself, Simon, these people, like, what have you found? Do they have like a different background, for example, journalism and, have an interest in maybe data engineering or data science or like do they have knowledge of it are they technical people like for example if i decided now i want to be a data engineer how would i then you know go about yeah. doing that yeah I, I i do i do love having these conversations with essentially uh, career changers uh, folks who might be um essentially uh, ha have have the experience of working in another industry or another vertical, um, and they they might actually just be simply curious and doing some sort of self education, some uh, Udemy courses or Pluralsight courses, or just something to sort of bootstrap them in their their own career. And it's interesting how much data is part of everyone's day job. Um, like when I when I spoke to um, an industrial chemist, they were actually doing what I would consider data analysis, but they didn't call it data analysis. They were just doing it as part of their day job. A lot of uh, the characteristics around journalism are actually what you might call a, a citizen um, data analysis. So I think um, it's, it's, it's such, a, such a great cue when people are thinking about how they can help themselves in their own career. They're doing a bit of self-study. And then when they sort of, the light bulb goes off and they go, well, actually, I, 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 I'm passionate about uh, data analysis, data exploration. I'm really enjoying putting together some Python modules to go and solve some, some problems. And they, they st have this sort of light bulb moment and this momentum underway of uh, self-education. And it's so delightful to speak to those folks because they are actually already on their way for, being, for becoming a, an analyst or a data engineer. And they just 
they, they just have this sort of light bulb moment and this momentum underway. And uh, they need, obviously, a level of support and encouragement and direction and mentoring. Um, but they've already got this sort of momentum underway. And it's absolutely fantastic to see that uh, enthusiasm and being able to uh, take that enthusiasm and uh, sort of point them towards teams that can really benefit both from the skills that they want to acquire, but also the benefit from, you know, the uh, the, the the lateral career um, skills that they're bringing bringing across to other teams. Oh wow! I think maybe I've just had a light bulb moment myself. <laughs> Anybody hiring? <laughs> I want to be a data engineer now. <laughs> All right, yeah. awesome. So we'll jump on to um, your question, Brad, or um, what you wanted to discuss, and it is how do you build a culture of excellence within your team and how do you help the broader business as a whole understand their role in contributing to a culture of excellence around data quality, data-driven um, decision-making? Yeah, wanna... yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's kind of, a, you know, flowing on from what Simon was talking about, um, yeah. Data is part of most people's roles these days in some form or another, and it's about helping them connect that um, that 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 use of data to um, what what data engineers and analysts and data scientists actually need to do on their side. Um, one of the biggest problems, is, as we'll all know, um, with data quality is you can't you can't retrofit data quality. Once you get bad data, you've got bad data, and you can clean it up and make it better, but you've you've you kind of got that limitation there. So, embedding that culture of excellence at every level and every part of the organisation is really key to being able to build a successful and and highly functioning or excellent data team. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that you can focus on within the team itself around the way that you approach your work, the way that you plan and, and provide clarity uh, to them and, and be able to, um, you know, build that, that kind of um, technical excellence. But it's the way that they can work with the organization or the business that really makes the big difference. Um, in, in my team, um, we uh, have uh, quite an open sort of uh, culture in terms of, you know, we, we, um, we brainstorm ideas and, and, and solutions on, on merit and, you know, anyone can contribute equally. Um, we have uh, a very uh, big focus in the way that we work around education um, and, and building out the knowledge that we have as a team and the skills that we have as a team. So as part of our, our um, project work and our day to day, we'll always talk about, okay, well, how do we need to make sure that you've got the skills to execute on that. Is there any training that we need to do um, around a particular technology that's emerging to try and see if it's the right fit for us? So there's there's a lot of um, elements that are built into just our kind of day-to-day -day operational work to make sure that we're looking at what's coming down um, the, the pike in terms of new technologies. We're looking at the skills we're gonna need to be able to execute and deliver on those things. And that, that really gives the team a sense of um, okay, we're trying to we're trying to do something that's uh, that's of high quality here. I mean, my my kind of catchphrase is, I see my role as um, as supporting my team in doing their best work. That's what we want to do our best work every day. And if we can go home and feel like we're we're doing our best work, then that's 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 a good day. Um, and so a lot of my focus as a leader is on how do I help my team do that? How do I support them? How do I make sure they've got the tools that they need? How how do I make sure they've got the skills that they need? Um, and, and being able to build the relationships with the rest of the organization to um, be able to support uh, that, that 
connection with with what everyone else is doing and um and and you know be that champion for what my team are doing in in the organization but from a how can we help you perspective what can we what can we do better on our side to make sure that you guys have the answers that you need when you come to us and say okay i need to understand what we need to do in this area or that area um but also i think there's a there's a a component of um, helping, because uh, obviously, ideally, you can't be in every conversation that happens. You can't be part of every project decision, every everything that goes on within your team. So you've got to help them understand how to have those conversations as well. So, so where I'm kind of going with this is, I'd love to hear from from you guys, Simon and Ian. Uh, how do you handle that sort of thing? How do you build the culture within your team? How do you um, help facilitate that relationship with the rest of the organization and, and the business to um, to be able to sort of have that virtuous cycle of continuous development and and support for for what your team are doing? Yeah, it's um, such such a good question, uh, Brad and. Um, I really like how you how you frame that, and uh, one of one of the things I I think is super important is setting the the culture uh, up front yeah. to sort of cultivate that data driven behaviour and have that sort of supportive culture um, to move forward. Um, I guess I guess where I've seen um, uh, things at work are really establishing uh, a culture, uh, a supportive culture, and that culture of learning and sharing and mentoring. And that might take the form of communities of practice where uh, motivated folk can come together in an informal setting and sort of uh, do, do some shared learning. Uh, it might be an experimentation mindset where maybe the pressure is reduced and it's very much a, a focus on learning on an experimental outcome. Um, but it could just be um, setting up a level of um, uh, sharebacks, um, great sort of lunchtime brown bag sessions where people uh, share what they're learning and having that sort of f feedback culture. Um, and it's uh, little things like running hackathons or pairing or mentoring uh, relationships. Again, anything that, uh, to your earlier point, supports that, that culture of learning and um, no one's going to be an expert overnight, but really m making sure that everyone's moving forward and uh, sharing the learning journey together. That's a great, great point. I think, Anything um, from you? Yeah, I think Simon touched upon a couple of things that I was I was going to touch upon there. But um, what I'm finding more and more in the data industry is the breadth of data. And um, I suppose the gap in skills is is ever growing. So you might have that kind of architect engineer at one end of the spectrum. You've got your data scientist at the other. That isn't going to know the end-to-end -end data integration piece, right? And I have numerous um this I guess numerous times within my my team and in previous roles is how do you connect these dots even within data you have people speaking slightly different languages um, about what they do and how they operate um, I have in the past tried to uh, initiate hackathons you know you may have someone that has to integrate various data sources to enable the data scientist to apply some kind of modeling technique over this so working together in in a safe environment um, but also mentoring through peer coding, etc. What I do find um, in the industry, um, and I touched upon it previous, is um, the nurturing of the business kind of analysis piece is really, really tough. Um, you get some senior members yeah. that 
really, really strong at it. But to close the gap between the business and data, we have to have that real cohesion uh, and someone to close that gap between what we talk about as data and what the business envisage what yeah. we do. Um, so I find I I tend to lead a lot in these conversations, have some of the senior members guide in that, but that takes time and it has to be nurtured year upon year. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that there's a, a general willingness and understanding that data is really important, but uh, a kind of uh, a really big gap in knowing how to execute on that idea. Everyone wants to to use data and to understand it, but it's it's really getting to that that practical. Um, uh, you know, it's almost like um, yeah, being, it's almost like a you know that 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 language translation of of, of going from the the business and and. Um, the practical use into the the technical side of things becomes that that real um, that sticking point for a lot of organisations, um, and I think that's that, that that's where the um, the kind of uh, um, the, the the broader business and understanding the whole like helping the business understand their role in that because I think that's where that's where the 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 you know the sticking point usually is 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 going from that that whole. Um, Business process side of things and the the practical use into um, into what uh, you know the typical data team would do, um, but integrating that better um, obviously is going to uh, enable that context to to develop over time so that that people can have those conversations more naturally, um, and you know each side will start to learn um, each other's kind of language and and start to work uh, more closely together. But I, I would imagine that that becomes very difficult, particularly in your environment, Simon, where you'd be working on lots of different projects all the time. Um, yeah. How do you handle that with customers? How do you handle walking into a, um, a fairly probably unknown environment in a lot of cases and gauging, okay, where are they at in the maturity scale and, and how, do I, how do we engage with this and help them? Yeah, um, I don't think there's a, there's a magic answer other than um, we're all humans. We 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 live and grow by conversation, and I think that sort of first di diagnosis is really uh, meeting a client where they are, understanding both where that where, where they have competencies and strength and capabilities today, but also anticipating where they need to go uh, into 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 the future. Not everyone needs to be like a top level company, but very much it's a conversation about. What what are they what what's their sort of next problem and it might be growth it might be scale it might be uh, skills it might be stepping into a new uh, product area but really having those sort of first listening conversations around what's what are the priorities what are the um, bottlenecks to overcome and what are, what's going to sort of un unlock the the capabilities both both for for the business and for the teams to unlock. Uh, their skills and values. So um, it's very much of a, a shared conversation on uh, goals and objectives on behalf of the organisation, and then being able to sort of diagnose what are the, what are the short-term barriers that need to be unlocked. Sometimes it's skills, sometimes it's capabilities, and sometimes it's just finding out what to say yes to, yes to, and where are the areas to sort of deprioritize. So it's you can't focus on everything. It's very much about which which path are we going to follow. Yeah, great. And Ian, you mentioned that in some of those um, more business requirements or business analysis style um, conversations, you get involved and you sort of facilitate that with your team. Have you got any strategies that you use to help um, develop those skills with uh, the more junior members of your team? Or, um, you know, is, is there anything that you can share that would, would might be helpful for, mm -hmm. for those who find that same issue and are trying to look to, to expand their soft skills in their team? 
Yeah, so I think a lot of it is about relationships, both uh, yeah. not specifically business relationships, but understand the people that you are actually working with, you know, what do they, what do your colleagues do in their spare time? So you can have yeah. those, I suppose, uh, just chats across across a coffee or, you know, in the kitchen while you're making lunch. Um, I find that a lot, a lot of creativity comes out of that it sort of breaks also breaks down barriers when you're going into some kind of requirements gathering session i know this is it's difficult in the kind of environment that we all operate in right now um but i think um it's the organization and us as technological leaders that we encourage that kind of interaction um informally within our teams but also with uh, the business stakeholders that we interact with yeah great yeah i, I found that that really um especially when you, you're not really uh familiar with what a, a particular team or um a customer might do getting really clear on the why what problem they're trying to solve and and really kind of extrapolate out from that okay um how do we measure that how do we um, how do we kind of uh, really define what that problem is? Makes a you know it creates a, a lot of common understanding and common context that really drives the conversation moving forward. And and that way you kind of get past that that social barrier um, pretty quickly. And you've got something to focus on that that is that common ground that you've developed together. So it creates that bond and and helps to be able to um, drive those conversations moving forward and making sure that as, as you go through those conversations, coming back to that why fairly frequently to check in on, okay, well, we've kind of progressed down this particular route. Does that still track with what we set out to achieve? And um, and being being able to critically evaluate, okay, cool, yes, we're, we're actually on track and we're going to achieve that or no, we need to probably course correct. Keeps people focused on um, on, on the point, why, why you're doing the project and making sure that you deliver well and when the project's successful and you you feel like you've done good work you, you kind of want to do it again so it keeps keeps sort of pushing that that forward um and those those relationships continue to to kind of naturally develop because you've got that hey we achieved something together and yeah that's cool good discussion guys so uh, moving on to your question um ian i think this is probably something that we've all you know encountered or going through right now um the question is how do you grow and retain talent in a highly competitive market especially like right now with you know everything that's happened how do you guys you know individually you know, grow and retain the talent that you have with, you know, other companies offering ridiculous amounts of money to, you know, um, you know, your colleagues or people from your team. Do you want to kickstart? Yeah, I can. Um, I suppose it's the age old question, right? That became a bit more aggressive (laughs) in recent times. I am very keen to hear how Brad and Simon go about this, but maybe also yourself, Lee, because you come from that recruitment side. I'm sure you're having conversations that are slightly different to us. Um, And I suppose gauge your thoughts as well on why people stay, why people go. Um, A bit of insight there. But I suppose from my perspective, I think I think it would be naive right now to um, to not to not 
believe that some of our talent are being approached, approached regularly and um, yeah. being offered very competitive uh, sums of money. Um, but finances, for me, it's a transactional approach to management. Um, I think to retain and grow talent, we have to start looking at kind of transformational approaches, which aren't, for me, quite often not tangible. I know we've touched upon soft skills elements, but I think um, that kind of, this has to stem originally from the kind of organization culture it sort of sets the tone of yeah, ideologies attitudes values um and that comes across i suppose from communication from top down while i think that culture is important in retaining talent i think even within a data analytics team you can have a kind of subculture um and what I mean by this, hackathons aren't going to happen in sales or marketing, but we can actually drive that from from the team leader. So, so we have that kind of knowledge sharing culture. Something I'm really, really passionate about and um, try and emphasize in retaining and growing talent is, is learning and development. You know, data is moving at a faster pace than ever before. It's going to carry on growing. Um, and I notice organizations tend to have like a one-year learning and development plan, which is normally associated with KPIs that the business has, has set. And I often ask, why why one year? Um, why not set a plan for three to five years? You know, give uh, if we are bringing on, let's say, someone from a university, where are they going to be in one year? Where are they going to be mm -hmm. in three years? hey, take my job in five years' time. Um, so I suppose try and stimulate them, coach, encourage them, but give them long-term goals, which I hope will uh, fend off any kind of transactional financial approach. Um, what it comes down to, I suppose, is um, leadership authenticity. Um, you know, yeah. show, um, show yourself as, you know, ethically responsible, have correct morals, emotional yeah. intelligence, but honestly, just communicate, 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 but be honest and open with things, right? Um, then my thoughts on um, how to attempt to grow talent and retain where possible. Um, yeah, I suppose I'll open it up to the other guys and yourself. Um, how do you go about um, maintaining and growing talent. Yeah, I think you've hit on some really, really um, good points there. Uh, in the my, my my approach is really around culture as well, and um, not just the culture of the team, um, but that 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 culture um, of, of leadership as well. And um, I think you know having that that clear path of development, um, you know, over not just the year but the, the the future as well. Like the conversations I have with my team are all around um, what are you passionate about, where do you want to be in three to five years' time, how are we working towards that now? Because um, you've got to you've got to have that intention to get somewhere uh, to be able to build, um, even if it's. Um, you know, tactical opportunities. You, if you don't know that they want to sort of progress in a particular direction, um, you don't know to give them those opportunities sometimes. And and you can't always predict what comes across your plate and what you get asked to do. But if you involve the right people in those projects, 
um, it gives that that kind of tactical opportunity to not just give them the you know a Udemy course or, or a, a, a you know a, a, a kind of thing here or there, but it gives them that practical opportunity to employ uh, skills that they might have or that might, they might want to learn and start to gauge that. Um, you know, I, I typically um, make sure that I'm meeting with everyone in my team every week, um, just mm. to make sure that, that 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 conversation is really open, and the, the, that that time that I spend with them is their time with me, not my time with them. If that makes sense, because it's very easy yeah. for them to walk up to, sorry, me to walk up to them, and say, hey, how how, how are you going on Project X or what's happening with this? Um, and uh, the, you know, they kind of got to answer me because th that's how that works. But um, it's very hard for them to walk up to me and, and do the same thing. So I try and make sure that. There's very few things on my um, agenda for that meeting, and they always get the opportunity to go first. And then, if I have time, I'll uh, add my things at the end. But um, you know, getting to know each person in your team as much as possible, what drives them, what they're passionate about, what makes them want to come to work every day, and um, using that as a kind of starting point for that professional development plan um, makes a huge difference um, because that's that's the thing that you can partner with them on, and and you can you can sort of develop that partnership relationship and um, and provide those opportunities as they come up and, and you know, whether it's through courses or, or whatever else, opportunities in projects and that kind of stuff as well. Um, you know, money money always helps, but it's kind of a hygiene factor. If it's, if it's okay, then they're kind of good, if that makes sense, that it's only really when they get unhappy about something else that money really comes into it. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, if you, there's always the unsolicited offer that, that, that happens and it's like, wow, that's, that's a lot more than what I'm earning. And, and that sort of becomes a consideration, but, um, a lot of people, uh, I would imagine, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a very competitive market at the moment, but a lot of people would be quite happy to stay in an environment that's stable, that looks after them, that, yeah. um, gets yeah. by, um, you know, pays, pays the bills and, and, and gives them a, a nice kind of, um, you know, life outside of work, um, they'll stay there because of that that partnership. Because it's very hard to find um, genuinely good environments, and so being able yeah. to create that at that individual level really helps. But having a really open team culture, um, being able to um, have everybody feel like they're invested in the work that the team is doing, having a very clear vision for the future. So it's not just about the day to day work that you're doing or the project that you're working on today, but some sort of idea of what the next three years is going to look like in terms of where you want to go um, with with um, the, the team and the technology you're using and all that kind of stuff. Because it is moving all the time. Even if you're a very much a transactional team, there is that need to keep up with where the technology is going. And so talking about that all the time and mapping the work that you're doing today to that, you know, three-year time horizon makes a big difference as well. Um, well, I, I'm in a position in my current role where, um, you know, we're, we're not able, like all of the, the Catholic schools in New South Wales are funded through the federal government. So um, we're not in a position where we can go and compete on salary alone. And so we've got to have that strong culture. We've got to have that um, that really kind of compelling um, reason to to want to work for us. And um, that that's typically how I would do it is, is the vision, um, that supportive culture, that um, ability to, to kind of see where you're going and, and, and building that kind of partnership type relationship um, you, uh, to, you to enable that. You touched on, touched on something really interesting that resonated with me there. Um, and I suppose it's we all go to work for varying reasons, right? We all have mm. lives yeah. out 
outside of work. Um, so it is that kind of what are the drivers, what are the motives, but you have to really get to understand the individual, right? So yeah. I know you're saying having uh, regular catch-ups with your team, which is awesome. Um, and I think uh, I think it has to be done now, especially if we're remote and whatever. I think yeah. we have to really, really get to know the individual. On that, I think that can definitely uh, drive the kind of learning development path. And I don't think um, learning development can be kind of pigeonholed and reside within a data environment, right? Like we've all progressed in our careers in various ways. Not everything goes vertical. Sometimes you go sideways. So, um, you know, mentorship from someone else in the business, you know, you often see people in data roles transition to project managers, those kind of things, which the soft skills that can be learned from other people in the business um so i think there is that element of don't just stick with the data vertical you know yeah career paths change uh over time yeah but i think really really interesting answer bro yeah i'd I'd like to um just underscore the points that both uh you, Ian, and Brad have made. Um, I think it's really important to find out what's important to the individual. And the, the way to really know that is to ask and have true listening. So absolutely uh, underscore the your point earlier, Brad, about having uh, one-on-ones that aren't project-based, that aren't update-based. They're very much about you know, what, what's, what's important to the individual. And yeah. that idea about being able to dock people's passion to um, opportunities, to meaningful work. And again, the importance of doing that in a culture that's both supportive and direction directed to uh, where, where people's interest and passion lie. Um, but yeah, um, I'd be also curious about your experience, Vinolia, uh, any, anything that you, you see uh, across the broader industry uh, and essentially some of the, the drivers from uh, candidates who might be uh, interested in moving or interested in staying. I'd love to know uh, broadly across the industry what you're seeing. So would I, because hiring is a right challenge right now. <laughs> <laughs> no worry, you're not, you're not the only one that's finding it a, um, a challenge. But from my side as a recruitment consultant, obviously speaking to, you know, different types of people on a daily basis, what I've found is with people that do that aren't keen on moving, like firstly, they're not too keen on the high salaries because they are treated right where they are. They've got the flexibility. Mm-hmm. They've got like the open door policy from the managers. And they also feel that like they are appreciated mm. rather than just yeah. being a number. So if, if, you know, you appreciate, you know, the people that work under you or the people that you work with, you know, care about them rather than caring about the actual job, then people will think about you know, jumping ship because they don't know what they're going to get from another company. Yes, they might get a higher salary, but they might not be treated well. They might not have that flexibility to um, work remotely or, you know, do a one day in the office or, you know, take their child to school in the morning and then come back and do their, their jobs. People are now, you know, focused on like their livelihood rather than the actual job. Mm. Yeah. There's, yeah, obviously there's a few people that will jump ship for an extra five, ten grand. But even with those people, you then find, you know, they sort of like reel it in and they're like, actually, I made a mistake and this is what I'm looking for. 
Yeah, I've heard I've heard quite a few stories recently with um, people who were in the market looking for a new job um, and sort of took took something based on the the vision they were sold about the role and have got in there and like this is nothing like what you told me this was going to be, yeah. And it's happened multiple times in a row. Um, and so there's a lot of people out there that are, are competing, um, uh, you know, for for the same talent that that we would all be, that are you know selling 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 a thing that doesn't exist. It's vaporware. It's 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 a kind of bait and switch almost. And so it's really um, as much as the there is that high competition and high salaries and all that kind of stuff, there is a lot of value in being able to demonstrate and follow through on on the the promises that you make as a as a leader and as a um, you know as a team. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, you know less than desirable places out there that that people probably don't want to work. Yeah, and a lot of people actually want to be like contributors to you know yeah. the workplace rather than just being a number, getting the you know opening your laptop and just doing your work and then going home. Yeah, yeah, I think that work satisfaction, the connection to a meaningful work, a meaningful community, and yeah. little things like being appreciated being able to see their their work um, in the real world and being able to lift up and inspire others. Those are all things that become uh, quite meaningful in people's day job. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, sorry, Ian, you're about to say something. No, no, I was just, I was just, um, I say I'm in that, I think that's it, right? Authenticity as a leader, uh, make people feel appreciated. Um, Yeah. yeah, be a truly authentic influencer and I suppose mentor. Yes. All right. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? Nothing from my side. No, I need that. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. I think um, I've certainly taken away a few cues and a few ideas and uh, yeah, really enjoyed the opportunity to speak to you all today. That's that's great to hear, Simon. Thank you very much. And this is what this is all about, you know, like just, you know, learning from each other, picking up ideas from each other and obviously introducing you guys. You guys can now go interact without me. Definitely. I'll be uh, reaching out for various bits of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, no, it's been a great conversation and a, a great opportunity to just, you know, connect with with you guys, but to to hear a bit of a different perspective um, than, than what I'd normally be able to have access to. So thank you very much, guys, for the contribution today. Awesome. Thank you so much, you know, to you guys all for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And I will catch up with you guys individually.